Good morning, church. Please open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Today is part four in our summer series, The Holy Spirit According to Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4, our main scripture text, beginning at verse 29. The apostle Paul, he pens to the church in Ephesus. He gives this command under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Gracious Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you for being here in our midst. We thank you for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you for our comforter, the Holy Spirit, our helper, the one who fills us, comes upon us, and walks alongside of us. We thank you for your holy word. And I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit today that you would speak, God, through your servant. I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit you would open our hearts and minds to understand and to receive from you, from heaven's throne, your eternal truth that sets free. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The Greek word translated corrupt, if you're taking notes, means rotten, rotten. It was used for decaying fruit, rotten fruit. The image in the apostle Paul's mind is probably one of rottenness, in decay, something that is worthless. Other Bible translations use the English words evil talk or unwholesome talk. The Greek word is used in only one other context in the New Testament, namely the places in Matthew and Luke's Gospels where Jesus says, for a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. The Greek word for bad fruit here is the same word used for evil or unwholesome or corrupt in Ephesians 4.29. The meaning is don't let any worthless words come out of your mouth. Don't let any worthless words come out of your mouth. I've been guilty, and I know I'm the only one here today. There are four implications. The first implication is this. Rotten fruit does not nourish. Neither does rotten language. The second implication is this. Rotten fruit will affect your health. So will rotten language. This is the third implication. Rotten fruit smells bad and makes the atmosphere unpleasant. So does rotten language. And the fourth implication is this. Rotten fruit most likely comes from a diseased tree. The tree is bad. And so does rotten language. In fact, Jesus said in Luke's gospel, chapter 6, verse 45, for out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart, the mouth speaks. 
A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. What kind of treasure is stored deep within your heart? Is it good treasure or is it evil treasure? If you make words into weapons, there is a rottenness inside the tree as well as outside. If the fruit is bad, the root is bad, guaranteed. The mouth and heart are connected. Jesus continues in in Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 through 37. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Here's another question for us here this morning um, to consider. What qualifies as rotten speech, rotten words? Vulgarity? Off-color jokes? Racial or ethnic insults? Humor meant to insult or put someone down? Mean-spirited comments? Gossip, criticism? Condemning words? Using the Lord's name in vain? These are all examples, and the list continues. The Greek construction of verse 29, I found it to be a bit unusual. The verse opens with a Greek word that means all, each, every. The word no in verse 29 of our text actually occurs later um, in 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 the verse, The Greek construction of verse 29 places a strong emphasis on the no. In our English translation, we put it in the very beginning, let no. But in the Greek construction of of this verse, um, it, it, it shows up later in the verse, placing a strong emphasis on the no. For example, every filthy and mean spirited word that comes out of your mouth, no. No, every harsh word and cheap shot that comes out of your mouth, help me out. No, no, every bit of gossip and false rumor that comes out of your mouth, help me out. No, no, there's a strong emphasis on the no. Why is this important? Proverbs 18, 21 says the tongue has the power of life and death. Every time you open your mouth, either life or death comes out. Boy, that's convicting. The Apostle Paul, in Romans chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, emphasizes human speech, the throat, tongue, lips, and mouth. He writes, their throat is an open tomb, an open grave, With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of a venomous stake is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. The connection between words and character is seen in Matthew 12, 34 where Jesus said, for out of the abundance of your heart the mouth speaks. Here in Romans, the apostle Paul is talking about the sinner the unsaved person, the person who is not filled 
with the Holy Spirit. The unredeemed, the unsaved person is not filled with the Holy Spirit. Only those who have been born of God, born again, are filled with the Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul, in Romans 5, he's talking about the sinner, the unsaved person, the person who is not filled with the Holy Spirit. The sinner is spiritually dead by nature. Only death can come out of their mouth. But the good news is the condemned mouth can become a converted mouth. Can I hear a big amen? And acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Romans 10, 9, and 10 say, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The condemned mouth can become a converted mouth and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. See the connection here to what Jesus said, for by your words you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. The Holy Spirit can clean up and transform your mouth, our mouths. He can change your heart and you can change your words through the strength of the Spirit of God that abides and lives in you, in me. The Apostle Paul certainly knew the difference when he was an unsaved rabbi, teacher, According to Acts chapter 9, verse 1, he was breathing out threats against the disciples of Christ. But when he trusted in Christ, in Christ alone for his salvation, a change took place. According to Acts 9:11, Paul went from praying, P-R-E-Y-I-N-G, to praying. A change took place when he encountered the gospel when he encountered Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus and was filled with the Holy Spirit. Church, where there is death on the inside, it will eventually show up on the outside in our words. Whatever is down in the well, deep down in the well, will come up in the bucket sooner or later. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says, Reckless words pierce like a sword. But the tongue of the wise brings healing, brings life. Let's go back to our main scripture text, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. The apostle Paul proposes a whole new way of thinking about language for those born of God's spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit, he writes, let no corrupt word proceed out of, your, out of your mouth, but, but, here he proposes a, a, a whole new way of thinking about language, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Paul shifts from the external fruit to the internal root. He shifts from what we say to why we say it. The root issue is whether your intention is love, whether our mouth is a means of grace, grace and truth. Remember last week, Jesus came full of grace and truth. The Greek construction literally reads, good for edifying of need. Good for edifying of need. I I find that very interesting. 
Meeting a particular need is in view of our main scripture text here this morning, that it may impart grace to those who hear. Someone needs grace, and that someone is you. That someone is me, the person next to you. We all need grace, don't we, church? Our neighbor needs grace. Our coworker needs grace. Ask yourself this question today. Is your mouth a means of grace? Am I meeting a need with the words that are coming out of my mouth? Am I building up faith into the people who hear my words? Am I imparting life or death with my words? All our words are to be a display of grace, God's grace, and not disgrace. Colossians 4, 6 says, let your speech be always with grace, always with grace, seasoned with salt. God's truth that sets free doesn't condemn. It sets free. It liberates. It heals. Amen? It brings forth life and not death. Our word should minister grace and help to draw others closer to Jesus Christ. As spirit-filled believers, we are people whose rotten root within has been uprooted, uprooted and made new by the grace of God through faith in the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I love Romans 5, 5. According to Romans 5, 5, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Who was given to us? And what was poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit? The love of God, amen? The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You see, the grace of God, the love of God has taken the hurt, has taken the bitterness and hate and and anger and resentment that spilled over into our words and has covered them with the blood of Christ. Our mouths have been washed, not with soap. How many growing up, you had your mouth washed with soap? I remember when I did it to our first oldest and... We had a mess to clean up, not caused by their words, but by the soap in their mouth. Our mouths have been washed, not with soap, but with the precious, holy, sinless blood of Jesus Christ. Spirit-filled believers have a redeemed mouth. Do you believe that, church? Let's say amen if we do, or oh, me. Spirit-filled believers have redeemed mouths. As spirit-filled believers, we are to speak words that build up instead of tear down, that build bridges instead of walls, and that's not a political statement. Jesus was a bridge builder. He built bridges with his words, and his actions backed up his words. He was a bridge builder. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And he he built relationships. He's still a bridge builder today. He is the bridge, the mediator between fallen humanity and a holy God. He's a bridge builder. 
He says, come to me. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, the bridge between fallen humanity and a holy God. Jesus is a bridge builder, and he's called us to be a bridge builder in the world that we live in, in our community, in our families. And how we talk is critically important. The words we use are critically important. People don't think today before they speak. I've never seen or witnessed what I'm witnessing today. The lack of civility, mean-spirited, the vulgarity, the lack of respect. Well, the word of God says as the coming of Christ draws nigh, there's gonna be an increase of all those things and many more, but not for God's people. Because spirit-filled people, those who have been born of God's spirit, we have redeemed mouths because we have a redeemed heart. And out of the abundance of our heart, our mouths speak. And so when our hearts were redeemed, every part of us was redeemed as well, including our mouths and our tongues. Amen. Amen. Here in... Here is Ephesians 4.29 summed up very simply. If you're taking notes, fill in these blanks. Every word, every word, every word, all good, all good, all grace, all the time. Every word, all good, all grace, all the time. That's what the Apostle Paul is simply communicating to the church in Ephesus. And this word is a timeless word. It's for us today. And that's why God saw fit to make sure it was recorded in the canon of Holy Scripture that we would have it today in the 21st century. And it's needed. It's needed. Look at verse 30 of our text. Paul says that the sad consequences of rotten words is grievous to the Holy Spirit. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Greek word used by Paul for grieve was used to picture a husband and wife who has discovered his or her spouse was unfaithful. Unfaithful. Boy, doesn't that stop you in your tracks? As a result of this unfaithfulness, the betrayed spouse is shocked, devastated, beyond deeply hurt, wounded so deeply, grieved, filled with with deep, deep, deep sorrow. This tells us, first of all, that the relationship that exists between us and the Holy Spirit is precious, Precious, precious. The Holy Spirit is deeply in love with us. He is more than a power. He is a person who is deeply in love with you and me, just as someone in love thinks about, longs for, and cherishes the one he loves. The Holy Spirit longs for us, thinks about us, desires to be close to us, and wants to reveal himself more and more to us. 
when we grieve the Holy Spirit, he is deeply, deeply beyond deeply hurt. When we talk like a person who is spiritually dead in their sins, the Holy Spirit is grieved. He is devastated. He's hurt and deeply wounded. When we act like the world, talk like the world, behave like the world. I'm just wondering what he thinks about the church today in America. Somehow we have this notion that we, we, need to, we need to act like the world. We need to talk like the world. When did using profanity in your sermons become the hidden thing? That's grievous, church. That's, that happens. How can secular music, worldly music, open a worship gathering? That's happening. That's happening, church. When we act like the world, talk like the world, behave like the world. Why is the world the trendsetter for the church? Why can't we get in front of the world and be the trendsetters? When we act like the world, talk like the world, behave like the world, and respond the same way the world does, we grieve the Holy Spirit. And that's why the world is a trendsetter and not the church, because we lack, we lack And our understanding in relationship with the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. We see and interpret the Holy Spirit or understand the Holy Spirit. Or maybe we don't understand the Holy Spirit. But maybe our brief little understanding of the Holy Spirit is this. He's a power. He's more than a power. He's a person. He's a person that we have a relationship with. He's the third person of the Godhead. The three in one. And so when we act like the world and talk like the world and behave like the world and respond the same way the world does, we grieve the Holy Spirit. It's like committing adultery, but spiritually. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicted us of sin and and brought us to Jesus, the Holy Spirit. That's why I I, I chuckle when, when I see these different um, reports from different ministries or different evangelists and, and, and they, they broadcast. Um, in the last year, I've led 10,000 people to Christ. I like to share this in our Welcome to the Team class. I like to share it with those taking the class and I've shared it so many times over the years. I just want you to know here this afternoon in this class, I've never led anyone to Christ. And boy, they're just staring at me. Everyone's dead silent and that's true because I never have. But the Holy Spirit through this vessel has. I'm incapable of leading anyone to Christ. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus said, unless God draws, you can't come to him. And the way that he draws is through the third person of the Godhead. Not me, not you, not through great music, and not even through great preaching. The Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone. It's not the inflatables, it's not the 
barbecue chicken that's going to draw anyone to Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit on August 12th. August 12th? On August 12th. It's the Holy Spirit. Pray with me. Pray with the pastoral team. Pray with the elders that we would depend on the Holy Spirit to work and move deep in the hearts of all our guests and visitors on August 12th, that the Holy Spirit would draw them to the saving grace found in the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? Yes, I said good news. Aren't you tired of turning on the local news? It's full of bad news. But when you open up the word of God, there's news that comes from heaven and it's good news. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ and it still saves men, women, boys and girls today through the power of God's spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicted us of sin and brought us to Jesus. He then indwelt us, sanctified us. We're, oh, I'm so grateful that he's sanctifying me as I'm preaching today. Oh, he justified me just as if I've never sinned that moment that I confessed the Lord Jesus Christ. The moment I was born again, just as if I've never sinned. And now he's sanctifying me. He's sanctifying you. He's sanctifying me as I'm preaching today. Tomorrow is the uh, Mission Share Golf Classic. And when I'm on that first hole and, and I drive the ball for the very first time, the Holy Spirit is sanctifying me on the golf course. He's sanctifying you in the workplace. He's sanctifying you around your dinner table. It's the work of the Holy Spirit who takes the, the perfect blood of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of Christ, amen, and he massages it. He applies it to every part of my being in your being. Amen. He takes the eternal truth of God's word and he ministers to us 24-7. He never slumbers. He never sleeps. He never leaves us. He's with us 24-7. Amen. And he's applying God's truth, God's truth to us. Amen, church. And one day we're going to stand before a holy God, glorified by the work of the Holy Spirit of God on this side of heaven as he applied the righteousness of Christ and the eternal truth of God's word to our lives. Oh, can we praise him, church? He's worthy to be praised. Worthy, 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 worthy to be praised the third person of the Godhead, the three in one. It's a mystery, isn't it, church? It's hard for our natural minds and intellect to fully grasp and understand. And that's why without faith, it's impossible to please God. We just have to have that faith and trust what God says in his word is true, and it is. Amen? Oh, I'm just looking at so many trophies of God's truth. Look around today. You are trophies of God's truth, of, of his redeeming grace. Oh, I believe what I'm preaching today. He is the one who sealed you. The Holy Spirit, according to our text, is the one who sealed you for the day of redemption. He put God's stamp of approval on you, the righteousness of Christ, signifying that you and I belong to him. You're God's precious prize possession. Amen. God's property. No trespassing Satan. So when we use language that you would typically hear from someone spiritually dead in their sins, it grieves the Holy Spirit. Since he raised you and me in newness of life, Christ, 
When our words don't display God's grace, the Holy Spirit is grieved. And just as a husband and wife would feel who just discovered that his or her spouse has committed adultery, the Holy Spirit is shocked when we dishonor his presence in our lives. We grieve the Holy Spirit by our rotten words and by our rotten attitudes. They work hand in hand. Look at Ephesians 4.31. Paul says, the Apostle Paul, he continues to write to the church in Ephesus. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. These words describe a collection of wrong attitudes that corrode the soul from the inside out. Again, whatever is down deep in the well will come up in a bucket sooner or later. Bitterness is a word that means pointed or sharp, referring to the pain we feel when we think we've been mistreated. It speaks to a deep emotional reaction that keeps us from thinking clearly. Wrath is a word that originally meant to snort. It has the idea of the nostrils being flared in anger. This is hot-tempered anger that easily explodes. Anger speaks of a settled condition of the heart. Nothing pleases a person like that. Nothing. Nothing's enough. Clamor means to raise your voice. It includes all forms of physical and, and, and verbal intimidation, pushing, shoving, punching, kicking, hitting. Evil speaking is a phrase for slander. It means to make false accusations. In legal terms, this is called defamation of character. This was the sin of those who crucified Jesus. They mocked him and lied about him and falsely accused him. And lastly, malice is a general dislike of others. A malicious person can't get along with anyone. Do you know anyone like that? Are you like that? Paul says in our text, those things must go. Can we say that together? Those things must go. Look at verse 32. Paul says, and be kind. And be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Kindness speaks of gentleness in the face of provocation. It reaches out to the unworthy. Tender-hearted or compassionate comes from a word that means I will care for you and will not shut you out. Forgiveness is a gift we give to those who don't deserve it. The key to forgiveness is the middle syllable, give. Give. For God so loved that he gave. As I prepare to close, I would like to share with you the acronym THINK. James chapter 1 verse 19 says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, Slow to wrath. Be swift to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to wrath. Hopefully, you will find the acronym think helpful before you speak. T, is it truthful? Is it truthful? H, is what I'm about to say helpful? 
I. Is it inspiring? And what I'm about to say, is it necessary? In K, is it kind? The Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Galatia, he writes in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. He describes the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is the character of Christ. The fruit of the Spirit, the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is the character of Christ. And Paul, here in Galatians 5, describes who he is. And every born again believer, the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the character of Christ, who he is, lives in every born again believer. The fruit of the Spirit lives and abides in every born again believer because the moment we're saved, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And so the fruit of the Spirit fills us when we're born of the Spirit, when we're born again, when the Holy Spirit comes and takes residence in this life, in this physical tent, this house, this body. Paul writes, but the fruit of the Spirit, the character of Christ that lives in us, that's been imparted to us through the third person of the Godhead, Paul says our house, this body, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit abides within us. Paul writes, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, church, when our words are a disgrace, and don't display God's amazing grace, the very character of who he is, is grieved. Is grieved. It grieves the Holy Spirit of God. Paul provides us with a practical solution. He informs us how we can display God's grace with our words. He writes in Galatians 24, 25, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions. How many are Christ here today? How many are Christ here today? And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. You see, walking in the Spirit is a conscious choosing by faith to submit and rely on the Holy Spirit to guide us in our thought, in our word, and in our deeds. Both in the community of faith and outside in the community of unbelievers, unredeemed. Part of the Holy Spirit's role in your life and mine is to bring to remembrance God's word, the commands and teachings of Jesus. Walking in the Spirit means being obedient, making a conscious choice, a conscious decision 
to be obedient to the Spirit, to the truth, the teachings and commandments which the Holy Spirit brings to our remembrance when temptation comes or when our hot button is pushed. Do you have a hot button? Do I, am I the only one with a hot button here? Do we have, who has a hot button? Mm-hmm. It can get pushed, doesn't it? It does get pushed. Jesus said in John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. You have no excuse. No excuse. Keep that verse up there again. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Everything you need on this side of heaven, he's going to teach you. Everything. You're not going to be uneducated. Students of the kingdom of God. Everything you need. For life and godliness, the Holy Spirit's going to teach you. That's what the Bible says. All things. And bring to your remembrance some things. 50% of things. A quarter of things, grace. All things that I said to you. God's people are without excuse. We can't say, I didn't know. We can't claim ignorance. By walking in the Spirit, something incredible happens. This is a conscious decision. The Holy Spirit is not going to walk in the Spirit for us. It's a conscious decision that we need to make. He has come. He has filled us. He's alongside of us. We have some responsibility In a day and age where people don't like to hear, I have responsibility. Yes, we have responsibility. The fruit of the Spirit begins by walking in the Spirit. Something incredible happens. The fruit of the Spirit begins to grow in your life and become become more and more evident to those around you, the fruit of the Spirit, the character of Christ becomes more and more evident to all those around you. The fruit hanging from your branches, the fruit hanging from your branches will not be rotten fruit, worthless words, but ripe and nourishing, good for necessary edification, imparting grace to the hearers. And the one who enables us is the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. Would you join me standing? Let's sing this chorus together.